will be more PG-13 than any of the past messages have been. So just a precursor and a pre-warning. Yes, yeah, put your hands over Hunter's ears. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of this is going to be new to him. Uh, so, uh, and I'm so, Jackie, I'm so glad you're here because Bob has told me so much about your past. I feel like you need to really hear this message. Uh, no. <laughs> this is Bob's mom here in case you're wondering. So, hey, uh, this, this young girl, this little girl coming into her grandma said, Grandma, how old are you? And grandma said, listen, listen, you never ask a lady how old she is. Oh, okay. Well, grandma, how much do you weigh? Uh, listen, listen, baby, never ask a woman how much she weighs. And the little girl said, that's all right, grandma. I already know. I know you were born in 1952, and you weigh 145 pounds. The grandmother was like, that's a, how, how did you know that? She said, well, I got into your wallet. I saw your, your uh, license, and it told me how much you weigh and what your date of birth is. And while I'm at it, it told me that you made an F in sex. <laughs> Listen, that was, the, that, that was the joke I landed on. So my wife has censored everything. Did you have to explain it to her? then you may be really embarrassed in this message. <laughs> hey, listen, why is it though, here's a serious question, why is it that we can talk about sex everywhere else? Guys, you can talk about it out with your buddies. Girls, you can talk about it out with your girlfriends. You can talk about it at work, at the gym, out in the neighborhood. You watch movies about it. You'll sing songs about it. But in church, we try to avoid the subject altogether. Why, why is that? I would think this, that we as Christians, that followers of Jesus, who serve the one true God, right, who created it, we probably should talk about it more than anybody else because our Father God is the one that actually created it. So since it makes everybody so uncomfortable, let's talk about sex. <laughs> let's talk about, let's start with some questions. Um, is sex okay as long as it's between two consenting adults? What about this? What about living together, PK? Where, where, where is it falling on that? Or what if, here's my favorite, what if you're pretty sure you're going to get married? What, oh, let's, let's go deeper. What about pornography, masturbation, self-gratification? What, what, what about those? What, what, what does the Bible say about that? Does it matter if you're married, not married, same sex, multiple partners? I mean, it's just sex after all. And then we get into this big misconception. As long as it's between two consenting adults, as long as it's not hurting anyone, not hurting them, not hurting anybody else, then it's okay. And so we ask, do these things really matter to God? Does God really care about our sex life? And I think if we were to ask that question 20 years ago, even five years ago, that we would get a different answer than what we would get today if we went around and asked that question. And so here's my thing. We talked about alcohol a few weeks ago, and I said, there's a starting point for this question and every question you can ask. And that's this. What does the Bible say about it? 
Because if you are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, the Bible should be your guiding point. Amen? I mean, it should be where you start. So although culture may say this or that about sex, even our school systems may have their opinion on sex, your friends, your family may have an opinion on sex, I think the one that created it should have the loudest voice in the conversation. So, because here's the thing. You do know sex was God's idea, right? It didn't just, how how did that happen? No, God. God created. And the problem is the church has been very silent and not been open to talking about it or teaching about it in church while our culture is vocal and opinionated about the subject. And can I tell you, if the church is quiet and never talks about it, guess where our kids are going to get their opinions from it about? So that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're talking. This is not something to make, a, make anybody feel bad, make you feel shame, because let's be honest. Most of us, 99% of us, have been there, done that. And I'll, I'll, listen, I'll just say this. I thought in the first service, I thought, I told uh, one of our pastors, that I knew it was going to be quiet, but I did not expect it to be that quiet. So... Now, with that being said, I do pray this, that if you're living in a lifestyle that's outside of what God's Word says, or, or you've got the mindset of it's just sex, it doesn't matter, I'm praying that Holy Spirit will convict you and begin to work on you from the inside out. Are you, are you hearing me? And begin to change how you see things. Uh, remember 1 Corinthians 16, 19, 20, and we'll look at this later. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I'll admit this. The church in general hasn't done a very good job at sending the right message when it comes to sex. How many grew up in church? How many come from my... here? Here's what was basically taught in my generation about sex. Listen, sex is dirty, nasty, and it only be given to someone you marry. It's nasty, it's dirty, but when I find somebody I love and want to get married, then I give it to them. Well, that 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 sounds like a sexually transmitted disease more than anything else. You know, but here's the thing, and this is their talking point today if you're taking notes. Here's what God says about it. God says, go do as long as you said, I do. Go do. That's what God says. Now, the church, though, didn't relate that message. In fact, when you study history back in the fourth century, uh, the church came out and declared sex for any purpose outside of procreation is a sin. Pope Gregor I, he wrote this, sexual pleasure can, ne- I, I imagine him saying like this, sexual pleasure can never be without sin. That's the way I'm, never, my mind. I don't know. I love this one. In the 10th century, get this, the church forbade sex on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and some Tuesdays and on religious holidays. So instead, we say, thank God it's Friday. They said, thank God it's Wednesday. (laughs) Which gives an entirely new meaning to hump day. 
I like that joke. I don't care. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. So. <laughs> and if that offended you, man, you're going you're gonna to hate the rest of this. Um, but God did. God said, go do as long as you said I do. Let's look at it from the beginning. Genesis 1, 27, 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. What did he create? No, I want to say that again. He created what? Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. The message version says, go reproduce. The PK version says, go have sex. Go have sex. God says, one man... One woman in the confines of marriage, go do as long as you've said, I do. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That word joined, listen, is not the Greek word for snuggle. Or cuddle. Or hold really close. Here's, here's my best uh, uh, translation of what it means. Little Missy Elliot to help me preach. Come on. Um, now let me translate that for some of you other people. It means leave mom and dad, go have sex, and multiply. That's what it means. God, God said, go do as long as you've said I do. Ladies, he said, as long as that's your husband, men, as long as that's your wife, go do. Go do. You need to understand something about sex. Sex, God created sex as a bonding agent. Stay with me. Stay with me. Uh, Researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, said this. Sex releases a hormone called, called oxytocin during sexual activity, orgasm, and more. When this hormone gets released during orgasm, it initiates an emotional bond. That's why separating from a sexual partner can be painful to somebody. Another study said that it said because of that bonding agent, that's why sex before marriage lessens its power to bond to your future life partner. I was thinking of a way how I could explain it. Do you do you remember those toys? Uh, uh, they still make them, I think, where you got this little sticky looking octopus, and you'll sling that thing against the wall, and it'll stick, and you can pull it back. Well, every time you stick it, sticks against the wall or whatever. Whether you see it or not, it takes particles of whatever it's stuck to back with it. And after a while of throwing that and throwing that and throwing that, it gets to where it won't stick anymore, right? And God said, that's what happens. When we continue to have sex, we continue, we're pulling back pieces of someone we don't even realize is there and part of that. And after a while, there's no more bonding agent there. But let me say that if that's describing you, can I tell you there is healing and transformation in Jesus Christ. Let's go on. See, sexual behavior 
it's not a new issue for the church. Uh, God, God has been dealing with sexual misconduct in the church for, from since almost the birth of the church. We've been in 1 Corinthians over the past couple of weeks, and we're going to continue there today. Uh, let me tell you something about the city of Corinth. It was a very liberal city. I mean, where anything goes. In, in fact, in that city, the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, it stood in the center where everyone could see it, for, uh, uh, and it housed over a 1,000 prostitutes, temple prostitutes. These prostitutes had sex as a form of worship to the goddess Aphrodite. The culture in Corinth where people were they're, they're discovering Jesus, people are discovering Jesus. Well, the culture of these people that received Jesus where they were coming out of is a lot like today's culture. Anything goes. It's just sex. It's no big deal. Do with, whom, with whomever you want, whatever you want, anytime you want. That was the culture these new Christians were coming out of. And Paul sees these people in this culture, and he thinks, I've got to change the mentality that they've grown up with. See, I was grown up with the mentality of my, my parents, man, from birth, man, telling me what, about sex. About it's, it's, and, but I, I know this. That the people that God has sent us and is sending us, a lot of them grew up with mom and dads that pretty much did anything, anytime, anywhere. And so it became no big deal to them. And they actually practiced that. And here's the funny thing. Even though I grew up in a household where my mom and dad was, was telling me what was right and what was wrong, I still found myself strained. So it doesn't matter where you come from. But what Paul is saying here is this, I know the mindset that has been, that been created in them and where it's just no big deal. It's just sex. And Paul says, I need to tackle this issue. And this, we read this scripture last week, 1 Corinthians 6, 13. Paul says this, food for the stomach, stomach for food. And God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So what is stomach food? What, what does anything have to do with sex? See, what Paul is addressing is these people are coming to Paul with these questions. Paul, why are you so uptight on this subject? I mean, you say we can eat whatever we want. Why is this so important? Why, why are you? What's the problem you've got here with it? You don't have to seem to have a problem with what we eat or where we're getting our food from. So why do you care about this so much? And Paul says, listen, what you eat, yeah, the body, what goes in here, listen, God will destroy both the stomach. But your bodies were never meant for sexual immorality. It was never meant to be used outside of God's design for it. It's more than just sex. Whatever you do or don't do with your body has everything to do with how you honor or dishonor God with your life. Can I tell you, listen, who's, who's Paul talking to? The church. The church. He's talking to people that have accepted Christ. He's talking to them. And see, our culture, guys, is pumping this, this mindset of sex in, into us from every direction. Social media, TV commercials. Listen, crystals is even trying to sexualize a crystal burger. 
A side chick. A side chick. Get this. I love crystals. But the only thing you're going to get out of me after about three crystals is a good bowel movement. <laughs> there is nothing sexy about crystals. Dress it up however you want. But that's what our culture is doing. They're trying to make everything. It's, it's okay. It's fun. And here's what we need to remember, church. And this is something God has really been hammering in on me. We always need to have compassion. Right? Listen, I want people to know you are welcome here. I don't care what your background is. I don't even care where you're living at right now in this life. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome here. But compassion cannot lead to compromise. Are you hearing me? When our compassion causes us to compromise, we've gone too far. Jesus was the epitome of compassion. Yet he never overlooked or ignored the sin that was at hand. Anybody remember the woman that was caught in adultery? Would anybody say Jesus showed this woman great compassion? Absolutely. He stood in between her and the men that were trying to stone this woman to death. He showed great compassion. He even looked at her after everybody's left and said, Woman, where are your compu- uh, 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 accusers? And she's like, There are none. And he's, what did he say out of compassion? Neither do I condemn you. Go, though. Quit what you're doing. Quit sinning. Quit sinning. Jesus showed incredible compassion, but did not ignore the sin of the woman. And that's where we gotta, we've got to get that. Uh, but back, let's, let's get back to the church at Corinth. Paul is trying to reprogram a group of people that culture has told them, hey, listen, it's just sex. There's nothing more to it. If it feels good, do it. And Paul is trying to tell them, hey, no, that's not right. And he says this, what you do with your body matters. What you do with your body matters. Remember he said in verse 13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. As followers of Jesus, remember, we, we, we said this from the get-go of this series. When you ask Jesus into your heart, he didn't just come in to take over certain sections of your life. No, he came in to take over every part, and that includes your sex life. Are you hearing me? Every part of it. Everything we do with our bodies as Christians involves God. Well, I'm not so sure about that, PK. Well, look, look what Paul says in Romans 12:1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your what? According to this passage, what we do with our bodies is a spiritual act of worship. And we either worship and honor God with, our, with doing what God says, or we dishonor God with our bodies by doing what he says not to. Are you hearing me? He wants, to know, he wants us to know it's not just sex. Your body is not just your body. It is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is God's house. Right? Isn't that what we believe? This is God's house now. This is where he lives. Well, let me ask you, because I don't think we, even myself, we don't live like this is God's house a lot. Um, If you were to invite Jesus over for dinner one night, 
Uh, would you filter some of the portions of your life while Jesus was at your house? Come on, don't lie to me. Uh, would you, uh, would couples, married couples, would you not get in that shouting match while Jesus was there? How would you respond to your kids? Would you find that suddenly you had so much patience with these children? <laughs> oh, let's get this one went really over well at 9 a.m. What about would you sit down and watch Game of Thrones with Jesus? Then you might want to re-examine. Don't, don't worry, I'll talk back to you. Would you sit down and watch some of the filth that we watch? And listen, I'm not one of those preachers, anybody that knows me. Listen, I, I'm not one of those that says, don't go to movies, don't go to radar movies unless it's about Jesus. Uh, I'm not one of those people. But I do believe what we put and allow into our system. I believe there are certain songs we would not listen to if Jesus were around. There's no way in hell. I believe that young people, you would be listening to WAP as Jesus was riding around in the car with you. And if you need to know what it means, ask your young person, because I'm quite sure they know what it means. And they've listened to the song plenty of times. Man, I'm just more bolder in this service than I was at 9 a.m. Am I? Aren't I? May, I drunk an energy drink before I come out here. Maybe that's what it is. Because here's the thing. It's not just sex. I don't care what Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, or anybody else tells you. It's not just sex. And listen, while I'm, on the, while I'm on my soapbox, quit getting up on stage and thanking God above for your lyrics you wrote about having sex with anybody and everybody out there in the world. God had nothing to do with you writing those lyrics. I don't care if you like it or not. Let's move on. I didn't told y'all two weeks ago what did I say. My giving am's about busted. So let's move on. I believe it's time we started speaking truth with compassion and love. And if you wonder, you say, man, you're passionate. And I know a lot of times my passion seems angry. My wife tells me that. Uh, but I'm not angry. Maybe I should do this. I look like the movie guy from the movie Smile, don't I? I look something. Here's what God wants us to know and understand. It's not just our body. Our body now is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in this now. I, what, everything I do with this now includes God. I, see, I, I, was, I was brought up, hey, uh, do you think God would walk in? Do you think Jesus would walk beside you if you go into that bar, Kelly? Well, I was taught, no, Jesus would stand outside waiting for me to come out. But I've learned to believe he'll walk up right beside me if I go to a bar and be like, uh, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to say that? I, I believe Jesus gets into the mess with us. I believe in some of my darkest places Jesus was there. I just chose to ignore him. The second thing we need to understand before I get in trouble. Purity matters. I think purity matters even if you're not a follower of Jesus. But more so if you are a follower of Jesus. 
It matters. In Jeremiah, God's kids are, give, are being stupid. Come on, we, we do that too. And they're buying into whatever culture was selling them. And God asked them a question. Tell me this doesn't sound. God could not ask that same question today. Look at it. Are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. Can we agree that this culture, our society, has no shame anymore? And listen, it would be easy to point to TV shows, reality shows, music, and movies. But what's more surprising to me is some of the people that I go to church with or know their lives are Christians. Some of their Facebook feeds, some of their TikTok videos, some of their Snapchats. It's evident that there is no shame and nobody gets embarrassed anymore. Anybody remember the good old days when you got embarrassed when you did something wrong? Those were the good old days. You know, you, you sinned, and oh, man, I hope nobody finds out about this. You did something wrong, oh, man, God, please, God, please forgive me. If you'll, if you'll forgive, I will never do this again. Not this culture. We film it and then put it on display for everybody to see because there is no shame or embarrassment anymore. As followers of Jesus, we've not, we, we've become not far off from the rest of the world. In fact, I find more and more Christians are seeing how close to the edge we can get without falling over. Are you with me? When it comes to our dating life, when it comes to other areas of our life, we want to see how, how close can I ride this line without crossing over. And it reminds me of the story of this wealthy elderly lady um, who had this car that she loved. And she was wanting to hire her driver to drive her around. So she interviewed three men. And she said, hey, hey, listen, my, my driveway is very curvy. And it's, it's got a block retaining wall. Now, let me ask you, how close would you be able to get to that block retaining wall without scratching my vehicle? First driver's like, ma'am, I've been doing this a long time. I'm confident I can stay a foot away from it and never scratch your car. The other guy's like, I've been doing this longer than him. I'm confident I can stay within six inches of that wall and never scratch it. Third guy, she said, well, what about you? He said, ma'am, it's evident to me that this car is very valuable to you. So I would do whatever I could to stay as far away from that block wall as I could because I know the value of it. How come that we don't take that same thing as Christians when it comes to our sex life, when it comes to our dating life? Instead, we want to see how close we can get to the block wall instead of saying, I'm, I'm going to make sure I don't even get close to it. Because here's the problem, guys. Scratches. You can bondo them. You can paint over them. But underneath, they're still there. They're still there. Third thing, intimacy matters. See, sex was never meant to be boiled down to just an act. It was meant to bring intimacy Meant for, for intimacy. Here's what one uh, writer said about today's sexual culture. Look at this. 
a couple of things really kind of changed the whole climate of sexuality. The pill and pornography. The pill brought along the illusion of sex without consequences. And pornography brought the illusion of sex without intimacy. The pill brought along the illusion of sex without consequences. I'm going to make a statement that I know in this culture is going to rattle some cages. But can I tell you, to me, that's what the biggest, that's what 95% of the fight for abortion is. Is to be able to do it without suffering any consequences. No matter what the cost. And I have to remind us what Jesus said. It's no longer, my body no longer belongs to me. It is God. It is God's body. And, and when I, I talked about this issue a, a few months ago, and, I'm, and I named off people that I am so glad that they decided no. This is going to be harder on my life. This, and doctors are going to tell, this man right here on the front row, Ben Harris. Doctors told his mom and dad abort him because he's going to be born with, with what was it? Uh, Down syndrome. Said abort him. This way he's going to be born. I am so thankful that this mama said, you know what? This is not my body. This is the body of God. And now today we've got a youth pastor named Ben Harris among us. And let me tell you this. There isn't a condom for your heart. There is an appeal that will take away and keep you from any pain or devastation that it may cause. Here's what Erwin McManus said in his book, Soul Cravings. Our souls crave intimacy. Sex can be the most intimate and beautiful expression of love. But we are only lying to ourselves when we act as if sex is proof of love. Too many men demand sex as proof of love. Too many women have given sex in hopes of love. He says, we live in a world of users where we abuse each other to dull the pain of a loneliness. We all alone, we all long for intimacy and physical contact can appear as intimacy, at least for the moment. Intimacy matters. Jesus said, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one. Sex is a bonding agent. It's a bonding agent. Here's one article. I read uh, Family Life from Canada. Uh, the article was the invisible bond of sex. said this. Sex from our past continues to haunt us in the present, impacting our relationships, self-worth, and marriage. I've come to understand this. If in the past I had sex, then in the present, sex has me. This is why the enemy wants our culture and our kids to view it as just sex. Because most of the emotional and physical intimacy issues that we struggle with in our marriage and relationships are due to past sexual encounters. We don't trust like we used to. We get filled with shame, anger, and pain. We feel connect. There's this connection we'll feel with past sexual partners called soul ties. And we could do a whole thing on that. 
We struggle with a lack of desire because of it, or we go to the other extreme to where it becomes almost an addictive behavior. But very rarely do we think that our present struggles have anything to do with our sexual history. We'll say things like, well, something's wrong with me, or I married the wrong person, or I shouldn't have even got married in the first place. And we live there because we were never made to understand that yesterday's sex is now raising its ugly head in today. And it's something we need to be healed of. Can I tell you, healing and freedom is possible. And you may be pushing back and saying, because I, listen, I've heard it. Well, PK, I've had sex with this many people, and it really hasn't affected me. It, it, honestly, it's, it's just sex. Nobody's getting hurt. Can I tell you, you're being completely deceived? Because I want to tell you the main way it's affecting you. It, it, here's how it, it, the most important way it's affected you is it's affected your ability to really and fully connect with God. When I say connect, I'm not talking about some feeling guilty, then you pray a prayer to get over the guilt just so you can go out and do it again. I'm talking, it has created a separation between you and God to where it's affected your intimacy with Father God. Because here's the thing, if you're not seeking to please Him with all your heart, life, soul, and being, then everything else will not and cannot be as He intended it to be. And here's the thing, guys, it's not that God's some fun killer or tyrant saying, hey, don't, call, don't have sex because I don't want you to have fun. No, he says, it's not just sex. There's no such thing. Can I tell you there's no such thing as casual sex? It's more than an act. It's more than just something you do with someone. Let's get back to Paul and his letter to, to Corinth. Let's jump down to verse 18 because Paul really dives in here. Paul says this, flee from sexual immorality. You know what that word means? It doesn't mean to ca casually stroll away from it or walk. No, it means run. 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 Run, run away from it. He says flee. He says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. We've all, we've all said that, hey, all sins are created equal, right? Sin is sin. If that's the case, why does Paul separate it here? Did you, did you notice? All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own. It seems he's making a distinction here in sins. I'll say this, all sins are equal in their ability to separate you from God. All unrepentant sins, they will distance you from God. They're equal in that way. But all sins are not equal when it comes to the consequences and devastation it can bring on your life. Paul says, flee from it. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, he's living in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. 
You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with what? Come on, honor God with what? Your bodies. Paul is saying, listen, this thing called sex has got a lot of power. There's a lot of power when it comes to sex. And if it's kept within the confines of how God lays it out and designs it, it can be a huge blessing to your life. But if not, it can be a huge hindrance in your walk with Christ. Paul here speaking to brand new Christians that are hearing this first time. And let me stop here and say this. That, uh, we cannot treat new Christians who are just learning all this the same way we treat Christians that have been in this faith a long time. Somebody who has just given their life to Christ, they're just learning this. They were raised a different way. And we cannot go all a gangster on them when it comes to this what we do is we bring them alongside us and we begin to disciple them out of love and teach them with compassion what God says about it are you hearing me so the Corinthians they're one of this group that are hearing it for the first time and they've got questions about sex so they sit down they write Paul a letter they're like hey Paul we're confused can we have sex or can we not have sex well, what's going on and before you think it's trivial remember the culture they're coming out of and, and Paul's dressed in 1 Corinthians 7 1 and I'm gonna read this from the message paraphrasing now getting down to the questions you asked me in your in your letter to me first is it a good thing to have sexual relationships? Hey, Paul, we're just trying to clear some things up. Can we still have sex now that we're Christians? Paul says, certainly. But only within a certain contact context. It's good for a man to have a wife and a woman to have a husband. Paul is saying, I'm not saying don't have sex. But what I am doing is saying, do it in the context that God designed it. Now, the, the Bible is very specific with this. When it lays out a wife is a woman and a husband is a man. That's the Bible. That, that, that's the Bible, right? Uh, and, and listen, if you've got a problem with that, take it up with God. Are, are you hearing me? Because... And I, I don't want to get in this too clear because I'm going to get in this here in a couple of weeks. Never in my life, I'm 54, did I think someone would have a hard time answering the question of what a woman was. I said I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. I said this at the 9 a.m., and I thought, well, 11 a.m. is televised, so I better not say it. Because, Bob, if you need to step out for this, step out. Me and my wife were watching a video, and I started laughing. She said, what are you laughing about? And it was this woman. She says, I've just, Southern woman, I've just walked into this restaurant, and I was going to the bathroom, and here's what it came. Well, one, one door stall said, balls. The other one said, no balls. <laughs> I don't know how we can get any clearer. <laughs> Do you, does he need to explain that to you? Oh, okay, okay. Do, listen, that's not a lack of compassion. That's just a lack. There's no compromise in this message. 
It's funny to me that if my wife or my kids were, were, to, were to be in grave danger and, I, and, and I, my job is to say, hey, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. You would, you would think that was admirable. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yet when I say this is sex, this is what God says, this is what a man, this is what a woman is, suddenly it's hate speech? No. I just want what God said is best for your life and who he designed you to be because where you're living at, God is so much better for you. See, one of the things that I'm big on is owning where you're at, owning that sin, owning that addiction, owning whatever it is, because only when you own it can you begin to see through God's lens of grace. Paul says there's so much sexual immorality going on. He says, I know this, the struggle is real. Paul's not designed, he's not denying that the struggle is real. He said the struggle is real because I know they're, to this group, this pleases them. But to another group, hey, they, they like something different from this group. Are you hearing me? He, he, what, what floats your boat doesn't float somebody else's boat. We're all drawn to different things. Or are you hearing me? And, and to me, to tell somebody, oh, it's just a phase, or you don't, you don't really feel that way, to me, that's disrespectful to them, trying to tell them how they really feel. Because the issue is this, they really do feel that way. They really do believe these things. And me trying to say, oh, it's just a phase, or you don't really feel that way, that's just disrespecting them. And I need to come along beside them and say, hey, listen, God loves you. And I, I'm going to deal with this more here in a couple of weeks, so I don't want to get too much on that. Paul says sexual desires are strong. Can we agree God made us with sexual desires, created us with sexual desires? He says sexual desires are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sex life in a world of sexual disorder. That is a great description of our world. We are living in a world of sexual disorder. Anything goes, whatever you want, whatever you, uh, whoever you want, it's two consenting adults. And God says, no, that's sexual disorder. Let's, let's bring this thing that has wreaked havoc on a culture. Let's bring this thing back into order. Let's continue. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife. The wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Boy, that'll preach. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time, if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of praying and fasting, but only for such times. He says, hey, listen, you, you abstaining from sex is permissible as long as it's for a time of fasting and prayer. Some of you men are just now learning that your wife is really holy. <laughs> Don't look up. Don't look up. There's a reason why God says, hey, take a break for prayer and fasting. Because in a marriage, you're going to go through times where you feel pulled apart. You start feeling like, I, I don't, I, I feel like I used to know them, but I don't know them anymore. 
But can I tell you this? That's when marriage overrides feelings. Oh, that's all right. Marriage overrides feelings. See, in spite of the song we sing, love is not a feeling. Love is not something, not those goosebumps you feel when you see that certain verse. Those things are great, but can I tell you, you've been married long enough, those goosebumps are going to come and go. Paul describes what love is. And I love the way the message says this. He says this, love never gives up. Love cares, cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of sins of others. Doesn't reveal when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. It never looks back. Love always keeps going to the end. That's love. It's not a feeling. God said there's going to be times in a marriage when you feel distant, when you feel pulled apart. It seems like the passion gone. And God says, listen, it's during those times you take time to pray and fast. You take time to pray and fast. And listen, here's what you're not doing. You're not saying, God changed my heathen of a husband. God changed my wife. No, it's saying, God, there's been some disconnection. Show me what I need to do. Show me what's in here that I'm missing out on. Show, show me that I, the ways I'm not fulfilling my wife, the ways I'm not fulfilling. Show me, and then when you pray that, you come back together. I'm telling you, God, that is good. He says, then come back together again. Why? And he tells us, because Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. And he says, I'm not understand commanding these periods of absence. Only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. So we always have a choice of whether to obey God or not to obey God. God gives us freedom to make choices. But when we choose the opposite of what God has, don't expect God to put his blessing on it. I, can t- I cannot tell you the couples that Denise and I have counseled with that came to this church. They were living together. Weren't married. They were living together. And you know what this church didn't do? What me and Denise didn't do? We didn't badger them about where they were living, what they were doing. We simply loved on them. But my dad said this a long time ago, and it stuck with me. My job is to clean the fish or catch the fish, not clean them. And what I've watched is God, as we've, as we've been up here and just loved on people and show grace and mercy, but also not compromising the truth, Denise and I have met with countless couples that were living together that would come together and say, listen, we realize this is not God's best for our life. We want to get married. I've married, married people in their houses. I've married people in my office. I've married people on the side of a lake, on the side of a road. Why? Because they made a decision. One of my favorite stories is, is, is a young man, him and his wife. I, I wouldn't embarrass him for anything. But when he came to me and he said, PK, he said, me and my, me and my not wife at the time, me and so-and-so, we were laying in bed. And God began to deal with me. And I looked at her and said, this ain't right. This ain't right what we're doing. 
And he said, Holy Spirit began to work with us, and I actually got to do their wedding on the side of a lake. Why? Because God is not about bringing shame upon people. God is about saying, hey, I want to point out the areas you're missing at. And you, if you can get here, man, my hand will be a blessing on your life. But as long as you're living outside of that realm and trying to do it on your own, I can't bless it. It goes against my word. Are you, are you hearing me? Let's move on. Because i got to end this thing. Fourth, holiness matters. Why do we need a new revelation of what God says about sex? Because holiness matters. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body. That is what? Holy, Holy and honorable. And here's the topper, three verses down, verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. If I can get Bubba to come on up. Again, let me remind you, Paul is also speaking here to the church, Christians. He's not, he's not speaking to people that don't confess to be Christians or follow Jesus. He's talking to Christians. God did not call us to be impure, but to be holy. We live in a culture today that is much like the Corinthians. Anything goes. It's just sex. Do whatever you want, whomever you want, whenever you want. And like the, like the Corinthians, that mindset made its way into the church. And we're not talking about this, man, because I don't want to bring shame or condemnation because, I, like I said, I've been there and done that. There have been days, man, in my walk with Christ where I nailed this. And there are days where I felt it. I felt the shame and condemnation. And guess what? That shame and condemnation didn't change anything in me. It was God's grace that changed me. John Piper said this, though. We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. We're useless. We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. That's why Paul said this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know what? You know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? It keeps crawling off the altar. Crawls off the altar. Come on. I've been on that sacrificial altar, and I'm like, no, 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 not today, God. Because it hurts when God begins to pull stuff out of our lives. It hurts when God begins to deal with us about things that we like to hang on to, and Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 no. You got a tight grip on that. I, I will take it, but I'm not going to rip it from you got to give it up. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
an acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. And I love the way the Passion paraphrases verse 2. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Stand with me across this room. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, hey, I've got it all together. Can I tell you, I'm still in the process. And why did Paul pray for a spiritual reformation in the way they think? Because the enemy knows that our battle when it comes to our sexual identity or our sexual desires, right here and right here. Every day I have to get up and renew my mind. When I go to bed, I have to renew my mind. Throughout the day, I start feel myself having thoughts I shouldn't have. I have to renew my mind. It's a constant state of renewal, renewal. I know this is a very sensitive subject. And here's what I know. The enemy would like to dump heaps of shame on No, that's the enemy. Conviction and shame are two different things. Conviction is God saying, hey, 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 he's speaking to you. It's time to lay it down. Shame is this. You are what you do. You are what you did. That's who you are. How dare you? They're two different beasts. One says, come as you are. And the other says, don't come because then they'll know things about you. So I'm not going to embarrass anybody at all. I'm going to ask you, listen, when I say bow your head, close your eyes, I mean it. Because I want people to feel like, hey, I can be honest right here in this moment. So bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here, Maybe you could relate to that bonding agent. You felt like, I can't even bond to anyone anymore. Maybe it's affected your marriage or relationship now because if your past, partners in your past, you've, you, you've thrown that out and things have stuck to it. and stuck to it. No, nobody can see it. Now it's, it's covered with all these particles of past sexual partners. Today, you want God to do a cleansing in you. If that's you, nobody looking around, just raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you for your boldness. Put your hand down now. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, PK? I was brought up and thinking, hey, do whatever, whenever. But that's the way my mind, my mind has begun to operate and work that way. And I need a reformation. I need a transformation of my mind and the way I see things. And I need Holy Spirit to come in and begin to renew my mind and help me to see sex from a healthy, from the way God designed it to be. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Put your hand down. I'm going to go a little deeper. Maybe your first sexual experience 
was because you were molested or abused by someone that should have been looking out for you or watching over you. And now that is carried over now into your teens, your adult years. And though you may think you're past it, it still raised its ugly head at times. But today, you want God to heal the hurt. You want God to do more than just bondo or paint over the scars. You want God to heal the scars. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Put your hand down. Because it breaks my heart. See so many. The people they should have trusted abused them. Molested them for their own devious and personal gains. It breaks my heart. Where's Tiffany? Get your mic, Tiffany. Give, give, give her that pastor's mic. abused come on up here Tiffany if you were abused sexually, physically, you raised your hand and said because of that it has been imprinted on my mind I want you to raise your hand and I want you to keep it up as Tiffany prays come on get them up, Tiffany pray over them God I pray that you would just go in those deep places God I pray that you would just uncover the hurt God the places that we can't even speak about. God, I pray that you would reach down in there, God, and you begin to mend, God. You would begin to put back those pieces, God. I pray, Lord, Father God, that you would begin to speak loudly, God, to cancel every voice that it still tries to rear its ugly head and said, you are the reason that that happened. You are the reason. So we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. God, and we just, I ask, God, that you just take down every chain. God, you would remove every wall that keeps us between from you. God, and I pray that you would be the you would be the gap. You would be the bridge. God, I declare that there would be a healing take place, Lord. That it isn't just a surface healing, that it's a deep healing, God. That you would be able to come in and eradicate every single thing that the enemy enemy meant to destroy us, God. You would eradicate. You would make new, God. You would raise up, God, and you would be the voice, God, to cancel every voice that said you were good enough. You were not good enough. You were bad. You're the cause. You're the reason. God, I pray that you would change that thing this morning. In Jesus' name. Denise, come up. If you raise your hand, keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Come on up. If you raise your hand and, and you said, you know what? I've, I've been the one that has been with past partners and it has affected me throughout life. And you raised your hand and said, I, I just need God to do some re-healing in me. I need God to do some cleansing me. Listen, I don't care if you raise your hand. for If you have to raise your hand for everyone to get free today, do that. But if you raise your hand for that one, get them up right now. Denise, I want you to pray for every hand raised. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for redemption. I thank you, God, for restoration. I thank you, Father, that our past does not own us, God. When we ask for forgiveness and we enter into a deep relationship with you, Holy 
Spirit, that you change us. God, that you transform us. Father, I thank you for healing of those memories. I thank you, God, that you, like Tiffany said, break off the chains from anyone that we've had sexual contact with, Father, that was not in the confines of marriage. God, I thank you, God, that you are a restorer of our heart, of our soul, of our spirit, where our spirits were broken, where our spirits were wounded and hurt by past partners. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for restoration. I thank you for complete healing and for forgiveness, God. I thank you for forgiveness that we don't live there anymore. That's not who we are, God. And I thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that passes all understanding for healing of our minds and our spirits in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Maybe you raised your hand and you said, you know what, PK? I grew up with the wrong mindset about what sex was. I saw it, and I need God to transform my mind right now. If that's you, raise your hand. Father, you see every hand. I'm asking you, just like a, 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 an eraser on a chalkboard, that you would come in and begin to erase all the lies. Erase the things that were told to us or showed us by parents or by relatives or friends. Erase the lies that culture has, has driven into us and begin to write fresh. This is who you are. This is what this is the sex uh, that, that, that is blessed in the confines of marriage. This is what it is. And God, I pray, God, you would renew our minds. If it takes a daily renewing, renew it. If it takes an hourly renewing, renew it, God, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, God, until our mind is renewed, renewed. Pray that. Jesus, amen. I'm going to ask you guys, everyone in here, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Whether you think you need this or not, I want you to pray it out loud, and I want you to pray it with some umph. Because I believe this is the prayer that right now we need to begin to pray over every person in here. I don't care if you think you've got it all together. I don't think, well, Kelly, I ain't done this in a while. Oh, you know what? Let me. I felt the need to say this a while ago, and I want to say it. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. Don't allow culture to lie to you and tell you, well, this is what you did. That's who you are. No, 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 no. You are who God says you are. So let go of what culture, what friends, or what voices, because that is not God. It's 